Welcome to our 26th Set the Month in Motion monthly podcast and forum produced in partnership with the City of Fremantle's Building Business Capacity Program. My name is Denisha Quinlan and I am the CEO here at the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. I would like to start today by acknowledging the traditional owners on the land on which we gather, the Wajak people, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Today on Set the Month in Motion, we're talking social media. Coming off the back of Meg Coffey's State of the Social last week, we thought it was a good time to do a bit of a stock take and think about future trends and how they're affecting our Fremantle businesses. Over the past year, we've seen a significant shift in the way brands promote their products and services on social media. Globally, we've reached over 3.6 billion social media users in 2020, driven primarily, I guess, as the world shifted online during COVID-19 and scalable production processes that could be done from home. Brands now aren't just wondering how they'll engage with these huge social media audiences. They're also asking what social trends should I be expecting in this constantly changing landscape? Where should I be? Who should I be? And how on earth should I be doing it? Joining me today on the panel are three exceptionally talented social media experts who deliver significant returns to their brands through their knowledge of this landscape. First up on my panel is Claire Ryan. On her job title, Claire says she is a little bit of everything. Freelance writer, interior stylist, fashion forward stylist, food reviewer, and someone who I like to describe as literally sunshine in a bottle. Claire has spent the last 14 years as a journalist and stylist working across the fashion, food, and interior industries. Over the years, her roles have extended from editor and fashion stylist to producer and interior stylist. Today, Claire currently freelances for a number of local and national businesses, including Broadsheet, Perth is OK, STM, Bedsheet and Claremont Quarter, as well as running a number of social media accounts, copywriting and creating and generating fresh content. Executing, executing, gosh, you can tell I haven't had coffee this morning, can't you? <laughs> executing photo shoots and blogs and efficiently creating positive business outcomes. If you haven't seen it already, Claire's recent video clip on folding fitted sheets is quite a revelation and everything. And clearly for you, Claire, every day is different. Claire, from TikTok to Instagram, you have built an authentic brand, not just for the brands that you work for, but also for you. Um, I'm really keen to explore with you the trends you are leading in terms of styling for fashion, homewares and retail businesses today, and particularly how you create, I guess, that interaction with an audience that you do so well. Can you give us just as a global question to start us off? Social media today, Claire, what are you seeing? Give me the snapshot. Oh my goodness. Um, okay, so social media today, it's very authentic. It's constant. It is transparent. It's relatable. It's, um, you know, you're kind of reaching out to an audience which you kind of have to look at as a friend. So that's, that's kind of how I see it. It's just like this everyday interaction with other people. And I guess we're seeing a lot more of when we say authentic, mm -hmm. I find sometimes it's almost quite confronting. We're sort of seeing yeah. people in very real states that maybe in the old glossy world of social media yeah. previously, we didn't get to see all of that. Um, yeah. How do you balance that, particularly when you're working for brands? I think it all depends on how much you want to show on social media. I think there are boundaries. Like some people might not want to share everything. You don't have to share everything. There are some brands that... It might not be right for their audience for you to share every single detail. I think it's more so just, oh, I don't know how to describe it. I was saying before about being honest, you know, so sharing in the sense of just being relatable and being who you are, not being fake. 
I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think when we think of businesses, we were talking earlier um, before the podcast started about a line that Al Taylor used once in one of our old podcasts and it was literally, you've got to know what business you're in. Yeah. And I think that applies as much to social media of understanding not just how you are authentic, but really understanding what business you're in. And someone next on our panel who has had an amazing journey of helping businesses understand what business they're in, Emma Potter, a strategic planner, sustainable and behaviour change expert and an amazing, amazing marketer. Over your career, Emma, in strategic marketing and brand advertising for large corporations, you've identified that your passion was for advancing brands that were best utilised in promoting organisations and causes that were close to your own heart. This resulted in you founding Breadbox Media in 2007, building beautiful and authentic brands for dozens of businesses, both large and small, and always with a focus on social and ecological responsibility. In 2019, Emma, you used your own experience of building all of those different brands and telling their stories to create your own, resulting in the launch of high-end reusable product brand Pally Bags, which was a finalist in our 2019 Fremantle Business Awards. The ethos of Pally Bags is to tackle ocean waste from more than one angle, and the products are made from incredibly sustainable materials, and you offer just an incredible, stylish and beautiful um, campaign to tell that story. As well as running Pally Bags, Emma now consults with large businesses on sustainability projects that help drive behavioural change from within. Emma, I loved your quote that said that your belief is that being sustainable is about responsibility and that your passion is to help businesses and organisations access knowledge and strategies for implementing long-term change for the good of us all. Emma, one way you create and share this change is obviously through communication and a variety of different digital channels. Your campaigns, um, I guess, drive people to make those changes and to understand them. Starting from the very beginning, how do you create a strategy to create change through social media channels? Okay, well, look, I think in terms of the sustainability angle or whatever it is that drives you and drives a business, it absolutely has to come from a place of authenticity and that is really from your heart. I think through years of working with multiple businesses and working on that side of their business, you know, how do you give back? How do you support the community that supports you? I've always tried to really uh, find that place in, in each business's heart that, that drives them. That's the way to make it sustainable and um, authentic. So finding a cause that basically is very integral to the business and, and, and drives that, that particular business. For instance, you know, we've set up partnerships with Royal Flying Doctors, for instance, and, you know, those businesses might work in rural areas and, you know, that's important to them. So for me, it was the ocean. Um, I've grown up with the ocean. My family, um, as many of us have in Perth, I've grown up with the ocean. I absolutely love it. And, you know, it became something that was just really... Um, becoming more and more of a consciousness for me around the ocean and that's how I integrated that into, into the brand Pelly Bags. Mm. And Pelly Bags, I guess, has that beautiful lifestyle feel to it. So there's a natural branding fit as well as that social responsibility. And I think for many of our businesses in Fremantle, 
they have that really sense of, of cause and belief in community or belief in the environment or belief in those social causes and finding a way to link that to your brand I think is really important and probably comes back to Claire what you were saying just about that authenticity as well um, and we do hear a lot about and particularly in social media and around social causes at the moment there, there's a sort of a talk of getting that line right between that greenwashing and social washing but actually being able to articulate your brand promise I guess is part of it isn't it? Having a cause linked to your business is for me it's a corporate responsibility these days it's it's almost moved out of the philanthropic state and you know as something as optional and really should be something that you truly integrate into your business with Pelly bags I decided to make that that quite visible within my brand however there are hundreds and thousands of brands that do it quietly in the background and that is also 100% fine my brand I wanted to really educate as well as sell the products towards the cause so I think for me that worked but you don't have to do it that way but I do think having you know social responsibility I think customers are looking for it I think they will actually go through and through your brand and find out what are you doing to you know make sure you're offsetting the impact that your business is having in whatever way. Yeah that's a really good point and I think there's almost those two schools of thought and I'll come back to it in a second when we get um, further down the panel but I'd love to explore in a little while that idea of authenticity and cause but also the the TikTok kind of streaming of humour and lightness and I think you know what we're seeing now in social media is just this incredible breadth and spectrum of, of how you communicate who you are, whether it is through, you know, some crazy TikTok video versus, you know, really demonstrating cause. And I think they're really difficult decisions for businesses to try and work out where they are and who they want to be. And I think it might be, it's very easy to come across a little schizophrenic if you're doing a, you know, a funny video one day and the next day you're kind of cleaning up the ocean. So, you know, finding that brain story. And I think that's why I started also with asking you about strategy, because I think that has to be the starting point of understanding who you are first and what you want to be before you start sharing it with the world. And last on our panel is someone who shares not just stories with the world in her beautiful, colourful way, but is also our own in-house uh, Fremantle Chamber Digital Media Officer and creative freelancer, Kelly Jacobs. Kelly has spent 18 months um, with the Chamber as well as working on a number of other creative businesses at the same time. Many of our members comment on Kelly's incredibly colourful style, her organisational techniques and her creative eye that she applies not just to the Chamber but to Fashion Gold Agency, Hubble and Duke, works with um, Kelly bags from time to time and more recently with Kate Flower Food. Kelly enjoys organically connecting Fremantle businesses with each other via social channels as well as in person. We definitely call you our Modern Girl Friday and that is absolutely what you are. Kelly, you attended State of the Social last week for the Chamber. What were some of your key takeouts and where do you think we are on this social media journey? I think the um, social media conference focused on probably three key points and one of them which was a totally new world to think of for me was fan currency which is talking about how to translate digital currency in and across different platforms on the internet which just was mad to me. The other one was taking and talking about your brand more as a story almost like a movie you're putting your product as the main star of the movie and then creating side stories and spin-off characters and spin-off series all surrounding a particular product, which I thought 
was very interesting. And thirdly, I think the other key point was nowadays even a CEO or a head executive needs to be camera ready and ready to put their face on their brands and talk about their brands from a very authentic point of view to their whole audience. It's so true, Cal, and it, it, just as you were talking about, you know, that face, it always reminds me of doing media training in the resource sector back in the day, and as you all know, I'm quite smiley, and um, we were doing media <laughs> training, and, um, you know, someone had died on site or something truly horrific, and I just remember in the training them going, this is not the time to smile, as I'm going, and today on site, we've had a terrible incident, <laughs> I'm smiling away. Um, but that is that, again, it's that balance of getting it right, isn't it? We're talking to a global world. World. We've got different audiences within that world. How do we keep connecting and engaging in really different ways? And I guess, Claire, you have the luxury of working in a beautiful world most of the time. And part of what Kelly's saying about those stories and that imagery is so important in creating that brand story, isn't it? How do you translate a story like that and products, I guess, that are fixed into something visual and something that people can consistently see and touch and feel? Ooh, so I suppose, well, personally, what I... Do, do you mean in relation to my personal account or for... I was thinking even things like, say, let's take bedshed okay. as an yep. example. Yep. You know, yep. we're talking about sheets, really, yes. at the end of the okay. day, aren't we? <laughs> so how do you create so, a story around yeah. that brand yes. that consistently people can actually engage with and convert? Because at yeah. the end of the day, for most of our businesses, we're on mm. social media because we want some currency, yeah. as Kelly yeah. was talking about. So I noticed when I first became the bedshed stylist that I would be out sourcing for a photo shoot to create a bedroom and I would be out and about and I would just throw up on my Insta stories products that I had seen in stores and I started to notice that a lot of people were commenting and replying and direct messaging me saying, where's that chair from? Where's this from? Um, and a lot of the time I wouldn't necessarily use those products in the shoot. I was just being, you know, out and about going, this is amazing, look at this and look at this product. And then over time it just gained more and more momentum and so we would create reels on Instagram and we would create multiple stories to show people how the bedrooms would come together. So it's showing what is behind the photo. So, you know, what is behind that perfect little beautiful styled bedroom? How did it come together? It's, you know, it's not as easy as it looks. There's hard work behind it. Where are the products from? So just kind of giving that photo meaning, I suppose, as opposed to just this, you know, the magazine. Photo. I do really like the magazine, though. I quite <laughs> like not seeing behind the scenes. Maybe give me Pinterest over reels, but that's a personal preference, and clearly I'm not yeah. reflective of the world in that. Um, and the other thing I think that's really interesting, as you and I've noticed that with a number of the key kind of styling sites, I think, you know, the gorgeous girls from Beckon, um, the yeah. locker girls do a very similar thing where they're putting their beautiful lockers in these incredibly styled places, but then also showing you behind the scenes of how those things come together. Yeah. We're seeing it with makeup as well, aren't we? Yeah. So much more of people actually yeah. face up, putting their makeup on <laughs> right yeah. up against the mirror to the point like, oh my goodness. Um, but I think you're right. that that And that is probably how we get that real story through, isn't it? Yeah, because I'm personally not selling a product. Like I don't have a shop or anything. I'm, I'm selling ideas to style a bedroom or ideas to style yourself with fashion. or So it's kind of, you know, with makeup, for example, 
if you can't you can't get your makeup done every weekend as much as we would love to so makeup artists are you know giving more educational tutorials and they're selling their experience or they're showing their experience so it's just a bit more than yeah just and that's probably also reflective of the culture we're in isn't it and particularly thank god we're not but a number of places around australia are in that really serious lockdown situation where learning and experiencing and feeling like you're part of the outside world as you're shifting your bedroom around for the 10th time yeah. is a big part of how we've probably got to this as well yeah. emma do you see so i mean you've been in the industry for a long time do you see some of these trends staying or do you think we're just experiencing the world that we're in at the moment? Um, yeah, I see them staying around. Um, I think what Claire was describing is rather than that perfect finished photo, people want to see the process. They want to see reality. And in lots of ways, you're telling that little story of your life for your audience and that's what they like. Um, I think the days of, you know, that perfect finished photo are done. To be honest, I know you know that's hard for me to say because I, yeah, we're of the, you know we're of the same we're of the same demographic. You and I, um, you know, I started in advertising in my early twenties, and um, you know we strived for perfection in every in every single way. Every shot was perfect, every ad was perfect. You know, everything was planned out to get one shot and that those days I think are gone and I do think that they're gone forever and I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think people are really looking to relate to the, the brand and see themselves in the brand um, and I think uh, showing that is really, really important. I've just got one more point to, to make. Um, you know, Claire, what you do is absolutely stunning but I just would like to say to the businesses out there, you don't have to achieve that. You know, that shouldn't be something that you necessarily strive for. You should be striving to just show the story. Like one of the most popular posts that we've ever done on, on um, Facebook and Instagram for Pelly Bags was a, a, like a 15 second video that we did after a shoot on an iPhone. And, you know, it just showed the product in its reality and we you know we still get loads and loads of traction from that particular post so I think that those days of striving for perfection are gone. Mm, absolutely and showing it in situ as you said whether it's you know I, I love that shot Claire that you had recently of you like you know peering behind the fernery kind of you know <laughs> this is actually the lengths we go to to get the perfect <laughs> shot as you're basically hanging from a fern <laughs> and I think that is what people engage with and it's much more memorable and likewise I think you know some of those beautiful shots you've got of kids actually having picnics and using your product in life just creates that energy around them. And it's interesting, Claire, as you were saying about, you know, also where did you find these other products and how it's also telling the whole story. So you're not just selling your bed shed sheet, you're selling a whole bedroom. And I think, Kelly, one of the things we've really tried hard to do at the Chamber is also that collaboration and, and use the stories of others to build into your brand. Do you want to have a little chat about how you kind of have developed that over time? Well, as the chamber, I think we it's our job to show the diversity of our business in Fremantle. And so we have used stories to highlight what's happening at a restaurant on the weekend or what our HR people doing out in the country as well as anything from what fashion's available here, just everything. And I think just showing and cross-branding with different brands all the time really helps get your story out because the other brands then reshare for you. So you are building that 
community and network both socially and organically. I think that's absolutely, you know, it, it goes across all of the different industries and even I guess some of the work you do with Claremont Quarter too, Claire, you know, it's saying we are not just a business in isolation, we're a business within a group of other businesses and how do we share those stories within it? How do you get the balance right, I guess, you know, between some of your brands have got beautiful stuff and I guess as Emma was saying, some of them maybe not so and you kind of got to tell the whole story. How do you go about that? I think it's when it's... Um it's just all, I know we keep saying authentic, but it's just like, for example, with Claremont Quarter, it's going out to the stores, showing people what's in stores. Um, you know, with the fashion side of things, it's me talking to the camera and just letting people know how I interact with them when I'm styling with them, as opposed to this misconception of what a styling session would be like or what their perception of Claremont Quarter might be like. It's kind of just opening people up and showing them that there's more behind the scenes or there's more to it I think because it's you know we all click on a website and we see a photo but I think people want more now so it's kind of showing people what's behind those brands and just kind of opening up the world I suppose mm. to it mm. yeah and I guess teaching us all stuff I feel like you know in the last week I've learned how to fold a fitted sheet <laughs> which I didn't know <laughs> I also found one the other day about how to tuck your top and tie it yeah. with a little knot pop yeah. it in so yeah. you know I think for our businesses there's a lot of that like what is it in your story that actually people want to know want to learn from because that's also then they feel that sense of connection to you for sort of sharing that as well. Um, Emma, you spoke about production techniques and, and, you know, that the day of, you know, blowing up the burger and making sure it was all perfect before we took the photo of it, you know, spraying some water on it, whatever it was, and don't eat the burger afterwards, um, to this almost really informal production. And part of that, I guess, is driven by COVID. Again, how do you get that balance right? Because obviously some of your stuff for Pelly is beautifully styled and really, you know, off the scale in terms of its beauty. The production, but where do you invest? I guess that's the question. Where do you invest in the production? Where do you go for an iPhone? Where do you employ Claire and the Kates of this world to make it look beautiful? Yes. What's the balance right, particularly for our businesses when they're making those decisions on their budgets? Okay, well, look, first of all, you know, I, I never want to say, you know, that giving people the process doesn't mean that our images and our brand has to be aspirational because we're all, you know, see ourselves in a certain way. So we're always aiming for that aspirational, beautiful, you know, look, I think. Well, for brands like mine, I think the only way to answer this question is to go back to audience. So um, know your audience, you know, profile it back and forth and up and down and know who they are and really delve into the problems that your audience is facing. So, you know, for, for me, my audience is 25 to 45 year old women. Um, so, you know, I'm making sure that everything looks beautiful and I'm showing people that reflect them back to themselves. Um, and I understand a bit about them. They're very busy, overwhelmed people. They're working, they're raising children, there's a lot going on for them. So I aim to solve those problems with my messaging. So I think I think all I would say is if, you know, if there was one thing to take away from this particular podcast for, from my side would be to really just go back to audience and understand who they are and are they on social media and when are they on social media and don't overinvest in social media if they're not there if there are other ways to perhaps reach them 
I obviously have a demo that is quite active on social media and I get results from that by by checking and, and tracking it. If that's not happening for a particular business, you know, it's time to look at, at other options. I think it's so important too that, you know, it is easy to get, say, everyone has to be on social media and we're talking about, you know, executives of certain companies and, you know, they may be on social media to engage their staff. They may not be on social media to tell the world about how great their particular, you know, organisation is. And I think it's understanding, as you've said so rightly, Emma, who are you talking to? Because at the end of the day, social media is a conversation. It's an unusual conversation, but it's still a conversation and you're still talking to a group of people. And Kelly, we have had that conversation a lot in terms of, you know, part of your world is so colourful and so beautiful. And, you know, at times we're talking about ports and we're talking yes. about mining yeah. and, and marine and infrastructure. And, no. you know, sometimes it is, isn't it? It's hard yes. to, to kind of get that balance between who you are talking to, particularly in our instance where we're talking to such a diverse audience. Yes, we, we definitely have talked about yeah, showing which, which parts of your personality. There was something I wanted to touch on before about there was a lot of talk at State of Social about people feeling completely a part of your brand like they are your brand identity and almost like what Emma was saying reflecting they feel like they need to be reflected back in those images and that is super important so that they were even to talking further ahead years ahead where people are getting um, paid back by their brands to advertise their brand but not from an influencer point of view almost like as a stakeholder where it translates back to money and I think that was an important thing to look at moving forward. And we are seeing more and more of that reflected in social media, aren't we? The diversity of individuals that we're seeing, you know, I think we've gone from these talk about greenwash and, you know, social wash, you know, I think our social media was very whitewashed in the, you know, sort of 10 years ago and we are seeing such a diversity of individuals and such a diversity of them sharing their experiences, which is hopefully a trend that definitely will continue. Um, just on the, the sharing, let's talk posting, less, more, how do you get the balance right between that conversation and when do you want to be talking to people? <laughs> when don't you? Maybe I'll start with you on that one, Claire. Um, I think, you know, you read articles online about social media and it's like post every day and, you know, you have to and this time and I think it comes down to you like you have to post when it feels right um I suppose personally I post when I have something that I feel like sharing something that I think people might like like folding bed sheets but then I also I love taking photos personally I'm a creative mm. person so I'll also post a picture of the sunset I don't care if it get five it gets five likes like it's just something that I like to do and that's mm. just what my Instagram account's always been mm. um as opposed like I look after a few accounts a social media accounts few businesses you know they they require more content yeah. to constantly be upload you know say uh, a cafe they will need multiple menus or you yeah. know dishes so yeah I kind of think it it really depends on you um and yeah it depends on your market what you were saying before like 
some people, your market might not be on their phone the whole time. Mm. So I'm on my phone a lot. So I will see all of your posts if you post every day. <laughs> <laughs> I have never got to the end of my feed, but I will. Is there an end? <laughs> Apparently there's an end. There's I an end. <laughs> Mine's never ending. Um, whereas other people, you know, I see some of the accounts I look after, they will like a post three days ago. So mm. that will tell me that, you know, people aren't on their phones sometimes at that particular particular account their market is not on the phone all the time yeah so, yeah absolutely and I guess timing makes it has a big part of that as well yeah um, absolutely um such a difficult question um it comes back to every brand of course and I'm sorry to harp on about that but for me I always think it is quite important to value your time and consider the time that you are investing in posting on social media and what that results in for your brand um, if it's brand awareness that you're going for or for your sales or for conversions. So I give my time a value and I track it because sometimes there are other ways that I could use and that might be paid social media advertising or it could be so uh, search engine optimization, or it could be PR. Um, there are other ways that you could access that same market and it could be more effective for you if you're spending a hundred hours a month on social media and you're not converting for your business I would be saying that you would look at what time you are spending and perhaps pull it back um, social media usually has value to most most organizations but if it's a branding exercise then you can probably pull back on the frequency of the posting if you're getting two conversions uh per post, you know, you probably want to be posting twice a day. So, you know, you've really just got to look at what outcomes you need from social media, how much time you're putting into it. That would be my And it's answer. like any investment in business, isn't it? It has to be a return on investment. And there's a, your time is a cost and actually monitoring that with conversion, I think, is really important. Um, and Kelly, on the monitoring, you know, that's something I think as a, as a chamber we do keep quite a close eye on. Um, and you do lose people, don't you? If, if you're posting either too regularly or not enough, um, there's a balance there in terms of the scheduling? Yes, I feel like for us as a chamber, we tend to, because we're just trying to create a presence, we're probably only needing to post four or five times a week. I do like to use the stories almost as like an ongoing thing because I feel like people can opt in and out of a story. It's not gonna clutter their feed, but if they have some extra time, you can sit on stories for a lot longer than, you know, if you're. Then a lot longer than you mean to, you mean? Yeah, and then a yeah. lot longer than you mean to. <laughs> Stories. Yeah, I think that's the good thing about stories. You can use – it's an opt-in, opt-out thing, particularly with Instagram and Facebook, but with your posts, if you're posting too many times, you're just going to be in people's faces and that's, I think, when they're going to start checking out on you and going, right, I, don't, I can't see you anymore today, so, you know, unfollow. Absolutely. And just as you were talking then, I was thinking about not only just, you know, posts in and out, and I think we're all visualising probably our traditional social media when we're talking about that. And we are seeing such a growth in new platforms. I mean, TikTok is obviously just blowing out of the water in recent times. Um, but younger generations are looking for different platforms, obviously. So how do we make those choices? You know, obviously, young people are there's augmented reality, there's gaming, we've got Discord coming into the mix. Do our businesses have to be across all of those different platforms or can you kind of stick to one and run with it? 
Do you want to start with that, Emma? Okay. <laughs> I'm, in I'm so interested in your answer, actually. I should have let you go first. My answer is, is, is a categorical no. You don't have to be across them all. Um, you really need to choose a platform for your audience, um, you know, obviously. And you need to look at what those audiences are. Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, you know, TikTok, they all have... Uh, Snapchat, they all have very different audiences. Um, if you suspect that one might, you know, be feeding, you know, be a feeder for your brand, like a younger audience perhaps coming into an older audience, test it out, but just track the results and make sure you're not over-investing. But certainly find the platform, you know, for, for with, with the right audience as a starting point. Absolutely. Yeah. Kelly was telling a great story about, you know, even avatars, you know, now in America, the, the kind of, you know, jumping into games and you're actually buying your whatever, you know, your Pelly bag as a reward on uh, Fortnite is going to come up soon. No. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Claire? Well, I, I agree. I definitely think you need to, you don't have to do all of them. Um, I also think test it out. I, when I first went on TikTok, I think it was around, you know, when COVID first hit, I was just I actually really enjoyed it um it was really it was it was fresh it was new it was I, I was getting bored with Instagram Instagram was really cookie cutter it was you know the same fashion photos and you know same food photos and I just this was like recipes and it was kind of the backstory to what people are starting to do on Instagram now they you know they were doing the recipes and with fashion styling girls were you know jumping and doing magical outfit changes um it's all fun at the start, but I think a lot of – how do I describe this? People started to do what people were doing on TikTok, on Instagram, and then they stuck with it and they didn't, you know um, – they didn't evolve, that's it. So they kind of were like, oh, this is what everyone's doing. That's the trend. Mm. Click, Click, and I got a new outfit on. Click, so and I got a new outfit on. Yeah, <laughs> using that as an example, how many of those videos have you seen now yes. with girls <laughs> jumping with outfits? I'm over them now. Yeah, yeah. Stop. <laughs> I tried it. I, I've, I did one or two when it first started. I was like, oh, this is fun. Looked at, you know, who watched it. A few people commented. I was like, oh, that's nice. But then I didn't really want to do it anymore. Mm. Um, so I think it's one of those things where people need to keep, you know, looking at those platforms and seeing what people are doing for a little bit of inspiration, it may or may not, you know, resonate with you. But I don't think go, oh, that's the trend. I need to do that on TikTok, on Instagram because I don't think it always transition, transitions very well between the two. But and as Emma said, it's about also measuring it, isn't it? It's about maybe yeah. try it, not be aware. I think, you know, that's the thing with social media. You have to be open-minded and mm. exploring it constantly, but testing and trying it for your market yeah. without looking like you're a schizophrenic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, look, I really want to add something because um, it, I can't, I, I think measurement is really important and measuring the right things. So for instance, for Pelly Bags, for, for my particular brand, our highest engagement and reach was from, a, was from a 55 to 65 year old market when we first started. And it was quite staggering and we were a little bit surprised. And then when we delved further, that audience did not buy from us. So it was chewing through budget for us um, and we had to essentially just say, okay, look, we actually need to almost not block them but, you know, just say, look, let's stop investing in that particular audience. So it's very important to say, to look at, you know, obviously reach and engagement but what is your conversion target? 
and measure that on its own, your conversion target, because otherwise the other figures can skew you in different ways. So really important to delve into the data um, a little bit, even just through Google Analytics or through the platform itself and just find out you know, what is actually happening here? Who is watching us? If, if it's 14 year olds watching said fashion video and, you know, they don't have the, the budget to invest in, in, in yourself, you know, is that really, a, you know, viable use of your time? Mm, absolutely. It reminds me of, you know, coming out of a market research background, you know, what are you actually measuring? And, you know, often our questions are around brand awareness, but it's fine for people to be aware of your brand. That's great, but they do need to actually convert it in yeah, some way or the form. Right people mm. getting aware of your brand. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. And also, do you have the backup systems to work? So for some of our retailers, if you've got great brand awareness, but you actually don't have an online present for, pe for people to convert, you want people actually coming into your street and onto the high street and actually being part of that story. So your stories almost need to feed people to that point rather than that digital conversion absolutely. as well. Absolutely, mm. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I guess one of the other things we've talked a little bit about is authenticity and empathy and advocacy. And I guess that's another area where we can build all of the empathy and <laughs> the authenticity we want. But if people still aren't buying our things or, you know, using our services or whatever it might be, um, is there a way that I guess you think through that building an brand awareness and authenticity within your consumer base, but also that trigger to action. How do you actually get that trigger that people actually either make an effort to jump in their car and zoom down High Street to buy your stuff or jump online to actually convert? Any tricks and tips around that? I might ask the stylist ladies. Or... <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose it's... Uh... There's got to be a sense of urgency if you're wanting them to come down, you know, for example, that day to the store. So it would be if you're a retailer, it would be we've just had this drop of clothing. It's in now, limited sizes, get down. We're not holding. I suppose it's just really the keeping that message messaging open to your customers to let them know. Um, but then I suppose you also don't want to be constantly going now, now, now. Like you don't you don't want to appear so like you're selling to them. Um, so it. it yeah, it's interesting. I'm just trying to... Mm. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I guess it's even with the hospitality businesses, part of it is about creating that newness and that freshness to keep people coming back. Mm. But also, as you say, not always feeling like you're pushing those messages out really strongly. Yeah, so if it was a you know a restaurant or, or a cafe or something like that, it would be new dishes that are on the menu, you know, the atmosphere. Like, what are you missing out on by not being at that restaurant and same with you know retailer what are you miss out on, missing out on you know you're not getting this beautiful new jumper to keep you warm or summer's coming or so it's kind of yeah relating to them showing them what they're missing out on and why they should be there and yeah I really liked um, Penny from Eros during COVID with her oh look here's this new jumper and if you DM me I'll drop it around to you next week sort of thing <laughs> you know there was a sense of personal and there was a sense of urgency in a time where you know perhaps you've got this sense that if I ordered it from elsewhere Australia Post is going to take three weeks but I could just get Penny and she's going to you know yeah. give it to me sort of thing and I think that's part of that story locally that we need to encourage as well. Emma did you have anything you wanted to add just on that conversion component? Yeah I do I think um look I don't love the term but it, you know, we in, in the in the biz we call it a funnel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Um, and, you know, I think it's it's quite applicable in, in this particular instance. So, you know, obviously at the top of your funnel, you've got all your brand awareness building and, you know, your relationship building with your audience and you're telling your stories and, you know, all of the things that we've talked about today, being authentic. Um, and, you know, at the top of the funnel is, is the broadest part. So you want to do the most of that with social media. Um, and then as you work your way, as you bring your customers on the journey down your funnel, at the at the tip of the funnel is where you say, look, you know, we're ready to go. Here's 5% off or, you know, drop by today and we're going to give you a free hot dog. You know, so it's at that point that you start to get a little bit more salesy. And I think just if just think proportionally about that. I mean, I use it myself to just continually um, focus myself to not be selling on social media all the time. Social media is exactly that. It's a social media platform. People are on there in their leisure time and they don't want to be sold to. So often I think I use the analogy of sitting around a big table with all your friends and family, you know, would you be selling to them all the time or would you be telling them about your life and what you've been up to that, mm. that week? So, and probably referring, I think, you know, we joke about <laughs> sitting around the table. I think it's a really good analogy because I find I'm a big referrer of other people. And so some of my conversations are like, oh, my God, I've got the most amazing thing. You have to get this. <laughs> and, but there is a big You're part an influencer, <laughs> Denisha. <laughs> Either that or, yes, a little odd with my oddly pushing other people's sales. Um, but I think that is part of the social media story, isn't it? It's about not being just about you. It's actually about engaging engaging that broader conversation so Absolutely. that other people are referring you as well. Yeah, allowing your audience to talk back to you, yeah. not just talking at them all the time. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and on that, Kel, you know, that creation of those stories, you're working across a number of different brands. Is there anything that you've observed in how you create that loop in those communities in those for those different brands and stories when you're talking to different audiences? Oh, I, I, oh that one's a hard one. I, I was thinking about... Just then I was thinking about the um, social media conference where um, Adrian Molina was talking about Aviation Gin and he was talking about them creating this movie, this story, that this gin is kind of like the big star of the movie and um, bringing all these other things into it but never actually talking about the cell. And I think they're talking a lot in social media now about only the story, not really the cell. I think when I've been working with Hubble and Duke, she is a really, she's constantly selling an aesthetic, but she's not often selling the product. She's she's creating a lifestyle around her brand. And that one's, I find that story is a great story to be part of and people really want to be part of that story. And so it sells her brand without actually saying bye, bye now. Um, and the aviation gin one's a really good example. I remember when we had a hospitality venue, it was amazing how many customers would come in knowing that brand story. Oh, They'd come in going, have you got aviation gin? Because it's owned by such and such. And, you know, this they knew the whole story behind it before they'd even tried it, which was really interesting. And they were actually coming in to seek it out and to, I guess, they felt a sense of ownership of, I must try this because I know all of this stuff about it. And I guess that's the, the big bit of the funnel that you were talking yes. about, Emma, absolutely. Um, anything else, Kel, you wanted to add from the, what you witnessed, I guess, last week and had a chat about? Uh, I feel like I've talked about a lot of it, uh, the, the key points for it. Um, it was a very global conversation. I guess the other thing that was interesting is 
it moving more social media moving more from organic likes where we're in charge of what we're liking to the analytics that are just watching our movements and so therefore people aren't the goals of the of social media it have been changed where without people really even knowing and they're saying to people you know make sure you're aware of that who's in charge of creating these analytics to start with and how they're watching us it's so true and I think when we're dealing with corporate brands as well, I find it really interesting even on YouTube videos how you can be posting your corporate YouTube videos but what comes up on the side feed is actually reflective of your personal choices as well and there can be a really, suddenly you're looking at a corporate site and you're wondering why all that other stuff is there. It's likely because it's reflecting the person who's been posting for that corporate's life as opposed to what they are. And we talked a bit about LinkedIn during the week as well because obviously from a corporate point of view, you know, LinkedIn's an incredibly important tool for, for organisations like the Chamber and our accountants and professional service firms. But I've noticed recently in probably the last two or three months when you used to be able to just put a post out and your audience got it, unless you're in commenting on everyone else's stuff, you're just not getting the traction through. So that analytics is going to be really interesting, I think, as the future unfolds and reflective of if you're not on it regularly, you're not going to be able to get the tra traction through. Um, and are you guys seeing that on your own feeds and other things? Yes, yeah. I think, you know, why would they prior, you know, from the analytics side of things, if you're creating a lot of good content, if you're on there regularly, you are going to be boosted more than someone who posts, you know, three times a month. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, definitely. I find posting more, more frequently, being on it more, commenting, interacting. But I also enjoy doing that, I think, as well. You have to – I think a lot of people see it as a chore or it's a hassle. So I think if everyone, you know, just enjoyed a bit more, then you'd be on there more frequently. And that's why I'm very <laughs> grateful to have people like you in my life because yeah. part of it is if people are enjoying it, they're going to be so much better at it than if you're not. And if you're a business and you're thinking social media is a chore – I'm just going to put this post up because I don't really want to, but I hear I have to. It's going to come through the analytics and people will feel it. And Emma, you made such a good point earlier when you said it is a conversation and it's around a dinner table and you don't just put your own pictures. <laughs> you don't, it's like family holiday snaps. <laughs> no one wants to see your family holiday snaps, do they, really? Um, and so part of it is commenting. And, you know, Claire, you're amazing at the amount of comments that you put on every... I don't even know how you find time to do it. But, you know, it's like, oh, that's a great photo or whatever. And I think that's really part of that engagement, isn't it? And that's where the time is. The time is actually having that second part of that conversation and working out what brands you want to be associated with that you're commenting on that feedback into that, mm -hmm. I guess, algorithm that none of us really, really understand. Yeah. <laughs> and that changes every month. I yeah. mean, there really is an algorithm update. You know, they're, they're pretty constant. So they're pretty hard to keep, to keep up with. Mm. Yeah. So I think if you notice a dip in your, you know, your outcomes, I think, you know, having a little look at what has changed and, and explore some different options is probably, you know, it, it is a bit hit and miss, unfortunately. There's no exact science to social media. So I think just having a look at what's happened and, and changing the way you do things. Because mm. sometimes, you know, they might be favouring people that are posting once a day and then, you know, it could change tomorrow. It could mm. change to, oh, you've got to post twice a day. Yeah. So just keeping a little eye on, on those things or getting an advisor that can help you with those sorts of things is important. And also being aware of what you're commenting on too, I think, because, you know, that has such an impact on your algorithm, doesn't it? Look, it really does. And I think that comes back to 
to what Claire was saying about authenticity. Like, mm. you know, comment if you really do love it. Yeah. You know, comment if it is if it is close to your heart, you know. I'm constantly – my feed is full of dolphins and whales jumping out <laughs> of the water because I, I just – it fills me with joy. Yeah. So, you know, luckily – I think it's great. But, you know, I, my feed rewards me with more of what I love. Yes. So just make sure that, you know, when you're commenting on behalf of your business that you're not just commenting for commenting's sake. Just, you know, be authentic and, and really like what is important to you. I think that's really, really good advice. Um, just in winding up, because it's been a, such a great conversation and I think, you know, I'd love to explore so many different parts of it. But if you had to pick, I guess, um, you know, one of your favourite brands and just what advice or the, the top line of what you give that you know gets the best results? I would say to keep people on their toes. Be um, not unpredictable, but don't be cookie cutter same, same, predictable, just keep people on their toes. Yeah. That's great yeah. advice, absolutely. How about for you, Emma? Um, a favourite brand, I think one of my favourites at the moment, and Kelly actually got me onto them, was Who Gives a Crap, which is toilet paper. Yeah. And, I mean, I just don't know how they've managed to make toilet paper so interesting. <laughs> um, but I, the thing I find with their brand is they're just so consistent with their brand tone and they you know, they're quirky and they're fun and, and yet they're doing this really amazing, amazing job of, of giving back and, you know, for me I just love hearing hearing about it. Uh, I think my favourite brand at the moment on social media would have to be Rachel Castle, which is no surprise, um, with all the colour and I think that what she does well is she's very authentic some days, she's happy about things and some days she's not happy about things and sometimes she's just gushing about things. So, like, I think keeping an authentic she's, – she's got an authentic feed that I really enjoy and it's not sales – it doesn't feel sales-driven. And it's everything that in a way reflects so much of who you are. You know, it's got that colour, it's got the conversation, it's got the emotion and understanding her market is really a big part of that conversation as well, isn't it? It's so, I mean, I, I just feel like we could talk so much on this nearly all day, but I think for anyone who's listening in, I think even just having an explore of Tally Bags, have an explore, Claire, of your amazing work with Bedshed and, and even your personal um, Instagram, and we'll share those hopefully as part of the feedback with the podcast and through our channels. And, and Kel, I think, you know, that idea of just keeping up the conversation and looking at what other businesses are doing, working out whether you can incorporate a little bit of that into your stories. We've got some great examples locally. I think, you know, Kate and um, Kate from Kate and Abel, beautiful Instagram feed that is very authentic and very personal and very real. Fremantle um, Tours is Fremantle an amazing Tours, one to check yeah. out. They're, they're always talking about what's happening in Fremantle. Um, La Sosta is telling us how we can easily make amazing pasta. <laughs> Not, but, oh, gosh, visit them for amazing pasta. Absolutely. And there's a lot of great Freo businesses that are doing really well on Instagram. And on so many of those, if Facebook. you look at the markets, if you look at Fremantle Tours, that they're, they're building a brand of their business by sharing the success of other businesses as well. Mm, it's a very, are. again, building that idea of sharing stories and sharing community for your own success and not just pushing your own stories out there and being willing to share and engage in other people's success, I think is a really important part of where social media is going. 
And yeah, we'll look forward to seeing the Pallybag Avatar on Fortnite coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we'll probably leave it there. Um, thank you, ladies, ever so much for giving up your time thank and you. your knowledge. Um, and to Chris um, from Cloud Vision, thank you for being behind the scenes and making it happen for us every month. And on every month, um, obviously, Set in the Month of Motion is live on every podcast station. There's some fantastic back episodes. I think we had a great conversation almost the first week of COVID on some sort of styling and digital platform stuff. So it might be worth having a little listen to that as well and seeing how much the, the world has changed. Um, but thank you all very much and uh, let's have a croissant. Mm -hmm.